Do you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff out their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. It's finally here, the big dance, the final show, the ultimate showdown, the big day of glory, the AFL Grand Final for 2019, Richmond versus the GWS Giants. And it's the hardest ticket to get a Grand Final ticket at the MCG. So if you've missed out or just don't want to go and hang out with 100,000 people, which is fair enough by me, you can head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel, which are doing a Grand Funnel Day package. So it's all you can drink, beer, wine and ciders with finger food for 100 bucks. It starts an hour before the game starts, which is 1.30, finishes at the Funnel Siren. Great value. If you want to book your place, give them a call on 0394173088. That is corner of Langridge Street and Punt Road, the Yorkshire Hotel. It's our one-stop footy shop, and it'll be your one-stop footy shop on Grand Funnel Day. Now, one bloke who I reckon is probably actually not that excited for the Grand Funnel is my pod partner, the punter's prophet, and uh, a pretty good coach this year. Not super coach, but a pretty good coach. Big, bustling Baz. How are you feeling about Grand Final Week, mate? Um, I really haven't been that interested, to be honest. No. You're giving yeah, me donuts. Yeah, I know. I've been on a, on a few different charts and... A few other people said the same. I'm pretty flat with footy, as you could probably uh, understand, given what's happened or given what's happened. Sorry to uh, me, the last probably mm-hmm. week and a half, and yeah, I, I also have a feeling this grand finals will be a bit of a fizzer as well, which I uh, will talk a bit more about, I suppose, in another 10 15 minutes. But yeah, I just am not really that interested for anything. I'm more interested in probably the racing this weekend and, and probably the storm than anything. Um, and there's a few other different sports going on. The uh, Marsh One Day Cup as well. But the grand final at the moment is probably... Uh, just off the radar. Just off the bit off the radar. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my We'll get straight into them. So my question for you, Baz on the blowout, was do you think this year's grand final has been underhyped? Do we think that everyone was wanting... A, a, AFL, yeah, a Collingwood Richmond grand final. We didn't get it, so everyone's like, oh. Also, I think just a lot of people feel like it's, you know, Jerry has been in the comp eight years. Mm. They've had a lot of concessions, a lot of things go their way. Um, obviously, they've had a lot of injuries, which hasn't gone their way, but they've still had a very, very good team. And even the players they've lost, they've been able to get, you know, generally two first round picks in for them. So. You know they're getting quality back no matter what they do because they've been pretty, they've been very very good with their recruiting and even like you look at some of the other players they've got in the team that have come off rookie lists and stuff like that like you know you from Fremantle as well like DeBoer, um, you've got uh, Lloyd and um, Daniels and Reed like those sort of blokes you're not your you're not your players that you think oh hang on a minute I'm gonna you know, every other club's chasing them they'll blokes that have been delisted or you know Reed for instance been delisted twice and then retired before he then came back and now he's playing in the AFL grand final so they haven't had it all their own way but they've got a lot of talent at least in eight years that they've now reached the grand final they've been what in the last four final series or three final mm-hmm. series as well I think a few AFL supporters are a bit flat about that because you've got teams like Melbourne and St Kilda and some other teams that have been waiting for you know 20, 30, 40, 50, 50 years, years to win a flag and all of a sudden this team's come in and the AFL looked after them a lot because they need to be successful so they can get memberships and all that stuff because that's the market they're in 
I, I think people a bit, you know, I think a lot of people actually would rather Richmond win, which is surprising given that everyone hates them. So yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one for neutrals, definitely. Uh, obviously, Tiger fans are up and about, but then again, that's another reason why people just tune out because it's a one-sided Nuffy contest. At least when Richmond was last, and Adelaide Nuffies from South Australia are pretty full on. So there's enough of like to and fro and a bit of interstate rivalry yep. and in the Richmond drought. So you could get in there as, as a neutral that lived in Melbourne and be like, oh, okay, the Tigers win. That's good. Like, yeah, no one likes Adelaide. No one likes the Crows. Not even people from South Australia unless you are an Adelaide Crows fan. So that makes sense. This one, it's like, oh, we don't really want to see Tiger Nuffies get up in the bed again because I really won it, you know, two years ago. Yep. They were pretty... Uh, Hard to hang around with for the next six months, and there will be again for the next six oh, months if it does come again. off. Yeah. But you can't talk to your Giants mates about them because there are none. Exactly. So uh, what think, do you do? I actually saw Husey today. I was at lunch, and I saw Husey speak today. And one of his gags was the AFL's finally um, solved their ticket scalping scalping issue, and that's why allowing GWS to make the grand final because yeah. there'll be no, you know, they got no fans, so they're not going to turn up. So I thought that was pretty funny from him, but yeah. I, don't know, I, just, I just think because it's such a young club and hasn't got any history, hmm. a lot of supporters and stuff, I think it's just been kind of not ignored, but yeah, it's a bit different to the usual build up when you've Yeah, got... it's more of like a regular game. Like on game day, obviously, there'll be all the analysis, all the storylines. We had a big storyline from Richmond come up this afternoon, a couple of cool storylines from GWS. But yeah, it's kind of like a regular game as opposed to let's go interview that 80 year old that gets to see their first premiership or yeah. whatever. So it's yeah. missing that little extra bit. Something else I think missed a little extra bit was the Brownlow. So what were your thoughts on the Brownlow? Did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? Did you miss Bruce? Did you miss the awkward uncle that was Bruce McAvaney popping up behind the players' heads and asking them weird questions? To be honest, uh, I've never been a massive fan of the Brownlow. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't really care for it. Don't get me wrong, it's a good award and it's got a lot of history behind it and stuff, but... I think, again, it shows showed on, the, on Monday night, like, Fife... Won it, and yeah, you know, good on him. He's a great player, and he did really well. But some of the games he pulled in and pulled three votes was like, hang on a minute, how does how's that stack up? How's yeah. that stack up? And yeah, there's a few other players throughout the the night that got votes, and you look, hang on a minute, they had like 18 touches and kicked two goals. How are they getting three votes? They might have had, they probably got four center clearances, so they get noticed. But I think yeah, there's it's hard for the umpires to unless they watch. I reckon they should watch the game or watch. Game tape, or I, I actually rate the coaches. Yeah, I would, I would prefer that if we vote. we followed the NBA model. So coaches get a vote, players get a vote, and, and the, the media public. get a vote. Not the public, because that's that's the all star. But then the media get a vote, and so you just combine the coaches award, the AFL Players Association award, and all the all the like newspaper and radio station awards together. Yeah, and then yeah. the best of all of that combined is your MVP. Yeah. And, like, do you call it a brown line? Do we dissolve the brown line? Do we just keep the brown line as it is, but, like, take it less seriously? Because, yeah, the last couple of years, it's like, you're not, like, are you actually the best? Was Is Fife the best player in the competition right now? Does he hold the belt as the best player in the competition? Oh, he's a gun player, but did he have a better season than arguably Paddy Cripps? Brody Grundy. Brody Grundy. And, like, even, like, Danger, who was somehow favourite, like, I don't see how he... He's a good player, don't get me wrong, he's a gun, but like, I don't know how he had a brown of the year. And when he started favourite, and uh, you, I spoke to a lot of people, I, I just can't. I watched a lot of footy, and I just yeah. could not see how... I reckon there's a bit Tim of... Tim Kelly probably definitely up to the buy yeah. round was probably the best player in Crips. And, but some of the blokes were on the roads. We saw this last year with Brayshaw. Like, hang on a minute, how is... Yeah. 
He getting votes. Very, so, very strange. Yeah. I think there's a formula to it, which I worked out from my watching the, the polling. It's kind of like 20 plus touches, two goals is basically like three votes. But they have to notice it because they, they yeah. they've interviewed Razor about it on SEN and on TV. And he said they all get together and decide after the game, like they don't see any vision, they don't hear anything because mm. they go into a room, a bit like the players, they don't hear any media, and they go and decide. So they have to obviously, and I know for myself when I do. PNF votes and stuff like that. You th- I, I mean, I, I give players jobs to do, so I'm a bit, I could say, a, a backman keeps a guy goalless or whatever that I've set him a, a mm. task. I'm probably giving votes where the two other people giving votes probably going off what they're watching, not like a player kicking five, even though he only has six kicks, they might give him votes kind of thing. Yeah. So it's hard. I know it's hard and stuff, but yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to watch the game. And then I remember last year when I... um after we won the final, I think it was a, it was a prelim, I, I you know, worded up a few blokes and I watched the game tapes we were doing and we reviewed all the games last year on tape and I went through and watched the tape I saw one of these kids absolutely killed it. I didn't notice him on the day because I just didn't notice, like, just didn't see it. Mm. But watching the game tape, you saw it and I actually got up on the Monday night when we went to the game. I said, look, this, you actually played a ripper game in front of everyone because I didn't mention him out on... On, on the Saturday, Saturday. so um, and then you watch it and you see how good he played. Everyone's like, "Bloody hell!" No one notices it. So and that's you get players that actually. I, I know this year our group was some of the boys were they're more worried about getting in the best and getting votes instead of having team, and that's probably something that I needed to make sure I try to communicate to them and break down because you, if that's what you're worried about, then no, no wonder we, you know, yeah. uh, didn't have that selflessness that you needed to win a flag, I suppose, and that's probably something that I look back on and you know a few other things that I got wrong but yeah yeah that sort of thing you start in being FO it's all connected so hmm. with Brownlow's it's a hard job for the umpires to get it right so I'm trying to say yeah and I find it interesting though that like Norm Smith's are very rarely wrong like blatantly wrong yeah Brownlow's is basically one in six one in five you just go that's a mistake yeah like a like a uh, well, Woden, well, Woden, yeah, yeah, um, and you're like, no, that's just all. All like Brayshaw polling so high last year, yeah. like, no, that's just blatantly wrong. So I think, yeah, that model where it's an ear where a person can just watch the game, and that's that's what Norm Smith is. It's you know five or six people who are just watching the whole game. Yeah, they all say something. They all say something different, and you just collect the most votes. And most of them have similar votes. Yeah, so it's very interesting to see if you, yeah, an impartial non-participant probably has a better chance of picking out who had the most influence than a person who has to try and work out the rules and manage expectations and, and emotions and all that kind of thing. So it makes perfect sense in my opinion. But the Brownlow's here to stay. Monday's experts Always know what's best Always tell you what you should have done Monday's experts Always know what's cooking, how the game was lost and how it could have been won. Let's get into the analytics for two teams, one close to your heart, Baz. The teams whose seasons are over, which means that their next season has just begun. Collingwood, they finished fourth in the ladder, 15 wins, 7 losses, a percentage of 117.7, and you lost the prelim by 4 points. Uh, your over-under for the year was 13.5. We both took the overs, we both collected money on that because we knew the pies were going to be good. Interesting list demographics, however, you are the third oldest and the second most experienced, so if you believe in Premiership Windows, yours is definitely still open, but it's going to have to happen soon if it's going to happen. How do you grade the season? Buck said it was a wasted opportunity. Do you agree? Yeah, it definitely was. I reckon that's a bit, that list demographics a bit skewed by the fact we got... Top-enders that are 
Yeah. Yeah, you got like Steel Sidebottom, uh, Penelbury, Reed, and like you know, had blokes like Goldsack and stuff on the list as well that were pretty old and are now gone. I reckon they'll drop back a fair bit, but I reckon yeah, this, we had to win it this year or last year because teams are getting better. Like obviously JWS will get better when like they didn't get Ward and Canelio back, and I think they got another first round top end first top ten pick this year for Essendon. Um, and you got Brisbane and get better, Carlton get better. All these teams are gonna get better. And we don't have the salary cap, we don't have the first round pick, so it means that, you know, we're probably gonna be similar this year. I know we've got a lot of players out through injury, we've got some good young players that can probably come through, like Murphy and Quainer and that sort of, those sorts of blokes and Langdon to come back in and up, but I reckon probably this two year period is our chance and we might I think we're gonna be I don't think we're gonna be the top echelon of teams. It was probably be around four to six next year. Yeah. Um and we really need to find a key forward. Obviously, Cox can do a job and you go if he's back and fit, but we need someone to help out my check because when he wasn't... I mean, he didn't get near it on the mm. weekend. He had a pretty poor game and Reed did all right, but we just missed that big body, that big key forward, and they don't grow on trees, unfortunately, but I, mean, I don't think it's something we can go out and recruit so I have the... The space to do so, yeah. The space to do so. So I think our midfielders, you know, just talked about all year and... Um, we got smashed on the weekend for that, and all year our midfield was hot and cold. Um, Grundy is as good as he hitting hit outs and get the ball around the ground. I saw Luke Darcy say something about this as well, which uh, I agree with. He, he became too predictable, or it was too easy for say Mummy to make sure he tapped his ball to one zone. So it doesn't matter how many hit outs he wins, but you saw the week before, and this is what Darcy was saying: Steph Martin kept grabbing it out of the ruck and then using his hands or punching it forward or whatever instead of trying to be too cute and it stopped the Brisbane midfield uh, sorry the GWS midfield knowing okay it's going to go in this vicinity so we can start being a bit predictable and get on the move yeah uh, so yeah it's just things like that for Grundy to, to work on and hopefully then that means we can our midfield can make better use of his dominance our back line will be fine yeah I, I think we did alright this year considering the injuries like a loss of key players for a long time through injury or stupidity I think it's a soft pass for me. Um, yeah. The good is, you know, our good is bloody good. Yeah. But our bad is bad and we, we struggle to score. Yeah, just health. We need to sort out our fitness staff and, like I said, maybe find a key forward and um, maybe a little bit outside silk, a bit of outside run. So, you know, I, I know Harley Bennell's available and he what, wouldn't cost anything. Maybe he, we have a look at him or... So there's an interesting one. Would you bring him in... Considering that you haven't really had a, a year of clean air for off-field issues. I, I reckon um, the Indigenous boys, they, they mature a bit later than a lot of players. And it's because, you know... They, they, a lot of change happens in yeah, their life. Yeah, so. and they got used to living in the city and all that sort of thing. He's been at two AFL clubs now. And to be fair to him, he's been the Gold Coast. Which we all know he's a bloody basket case. Yeah. He's been the free man where... Turmoil was in place. We had backstabbing in the in the top end, and as you said, with Clarko, who is you know the prophet of coaching, he goes if there's if there's rumblings happening in the business sector of the club, yeah. it affects the club on the field, yeah. and the club's performance, the club's security. So again, and he's at a big club in yeah. Perth, which you know it's a bit of a bubble over there. So, and now he's, he's straightened himself out. He's gone and got surgery on his calf. They found out what the issues are. He's had a baby. He's you know settled down with his partner. So a lot of things in his life are now settled. And he wants another chance to prove it. And how many times have we seen it this weekend with Pickett in the grand final for Richmond? Mm. We've seen it plenty at Cracker and there's lots of other um, cases of you know, even Walters and that, that of, of these Indigenous boys who have clearly got heaps of talent and ability 
just take a bit longer to settle down and get used to AFL life and, and how it works. And when they do, like, they're unbelievable footballs. And Ben was one of the most talented footballers out there. Like, in those Gold Coast games, some of them, he was getting 30 touches and kicking six goals mm. on a wing. Like, he's a superstar. So, I'm sure a club will take a risk on him. I know Sydney's pretty counting, but I'm kind of hoping that maybe uh, the Pies might take him as a rookie because he's available through that that system and see what happens. But, uh even if not, then we try and find something else somewhere. I, I reckon we'll be pretty active still in the trade period. You're gonna have to. Yeah, you're gonna have to be, and you need some. You need some scoring power. That was the weird thing about this year: is if, if you could score from clearance, you were very, very good. Otherwise, you kind of struggle to find a way, an avenue to kick scores off your own transition footy, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. But, uh, prediction for next year: you reckon four to six. Four to six. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, in that definitely playing funnels, but probably in that second half of the of the top top uh, top eight. Which, to be honest, probably where you were this year anyway. After, you know, Hawthorne did you a favour with West Coast. Yeah, and stuff, so. we'll, we'll be around about the same. Yeah. yeah. And if we... Can and if you're good enough in September... Stay, stay injury-free, you know, yeah. never know. A lot needs to go right still. Speaking of things not going right, Geelong, they finished first. They had 16 wins, 6 losses. 135.7% was their percentage, and it was dominant. And then they lost the prelim by 19 points to Richmond. Even though... That uh, the coach Chris Stott said that they were better than Richmond were last year, and vice versa. He was probably wrong. The over under was twelve and a half. I took the over. I collected the cash because you are a bona fide Geelong hater, and in the end, you were right. Uh, the list demographic, however, very similar to Collingwood. They're the fifth oldest and the fifth most experienced. So if there is a premiership window, as I said, that's probably closing on them as well. Now, if you believe that Geelong weren't that, that actually that good, was this his performance? actually a pretty good year for them no because it's what they've been doing for the last like, six years but if they're not that good and they're playing a prelim then they're overperforming well, no. are they are they are, are they a top four team the top four teams get to play so many games at Canadian Park and play that game style but like and then when are they, they, are, are they, that, they get found out are they the fourth best team in the competition I don't play the MCG every week so yeah so then by making the prelim which they did proves that they kind of over delivered on their list capability no, they they get to play a lot of games at G. I uh, know, but what I'm saying so is, if, they, if they're not four, that good and they finish, and they had they picked, up, they got West Coast on an off week because of Willie Rioli and a few other things, and because West Coast would have known about Willie Rioli's um, marijuana, they would have known all about that. Yeah, you imagine so. And they would have known what sort of trouble he was in. So it would have been pretty funny for the group to find out that the night before the final, because you. I mean, as a group, you feel like you've been let down by a player and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, they would have tried to respond and they did come back into the game. But I think, yeah, Geelong have some very, very talented individuals who are very, very good at football and can turn a game. Yeah. But their depth isn't great and their game style is not up to it. And, yeah, all right, they were up by, they got in the game and they, they jump-started Richmond. But so did GWS Decline. And I think that's where we, we need to start talking about this extra week off in the bye doesn't help with the finals doesn't help the teams who finish in the top four because mm. they play two games in a month and I've talked to a few AFL players ex-AFL players today and it, they even said it's it's crap you don't want it none of the players will want it mm. unless you're Western Bulldogs from yeah 2016 2016 or you're GWS this year because it gave them the week, a week to reset and figure out how they're going to go about this finals campaign it's no good um, so I Again, I think they should be having, like Super Bowl does, and that they should have a week off between the prelim and the grand final. That's when the buy should be. So then we get 
Imagine if we had another week, you'd get Whitfield, Canilio probably playing. And for Richmond, you'd probably still... Graham might be right. You know, you never know another week we shot it. So you got an extra week to get players up. Mm. You never know. Rancy could be up. Mm. So I think that works better for, for the grand final teams, in my opinion. But anyway, that's, that's another thing. I, I just... Geelong have a game style. They get to play at Kenya Park that works for them at Kenya Park. It's such a small ground. It's so small. It's very narrow. But when they get to the MCG and stuff, they get found out. Yeah. And that's what's happened to them all the time in finals. So Scott, yeah, he needs to coach to a certain degree to suit the home ground advantage, but he also needs to have a, a game plan, plan and for, a plan B. Yeah, and surely he had more ideas or something what to do when Blixarf barely got near it. Um, and Blixarf's All-Australian defender, or in the All-Australian squad as a defender, kept uh, Lynch to one goal, whatever it was last time they played. Hmm. Lynch is cutting loose and doing a good job. And, they did a good job on keeping Reward out of the game. Surely you put Blixar's back. Even if they had to put a Tom Stewart or a Guthrie or Narco or Parfit or someone who was struggling to get into the game up forward for him on a wing and give him a crack. Like it just back and even like Sel was pretty quiet and Danger was pretty quiet in the second half. So all those big time players that, you know, generally carry that team over, they dropped off in the second half, even though they had a four goal lead and they didn't get the job done. They need to build more depth around their squad and that's where I've always been always said like, yeah, it's good to have that initial five or six guns, but it really drops away and it, they can't keep carrying the team and they're mm. all getting older, and you know there's rumours of a talking about bringing in Jack Stephen. They need a ruckman, so they're just going to load up again for next year. But if it doesn't work next year, then they're in big trouble list wise. So, and like you know, Danger Selwood, um, Harry Taylor, um, Tom Hawkins, they're all. Big players to replace. No, hundred percent. And they've only got what a year or two left. Yeah, and so, that's the part I don't quite understand either. Is the with the game style doesn't match the personnel. So you've got like Brownlow medalists, Coleman medalists, all Australian players, and you're playing this downward type of football like you're Carlton rebuilding. Yeah. St Kilda rebuilding. Like, doesn't make any sense. And then the only times they seem to really show off and like show their true potential is when Paddy takes the game apart and they suddenly go, all right, let's go. And let's just play footy. So it just seems quite strange that I feel like to go cross sports, Chris Scott reminds me a lot of like Mourinho in in European football. Where he's like, this is my game style. I made this game style. I think this works. And it probably does. But it hasn't won you a title yet. So then what's the point in keeping playing with it? What's the point doing the same thing every year and getting to the same place and then improving your list and getting to the same place? Like if, if you're... Yeah, if you can recruit players, you can get players through the Falcon system, which they usually can. They can extract the best out of their players. It's a lopsided list, but whatever. But then you still don't allow them to play their best football. Then that is a problem. And I feel like the vibe he gives off to the media, fans, that kind of thing, is that he thinks he knows better. And that's what I kind of feel like the result was on the weekend when he didn't. When people asked me about Blitzarves, why wasn't your All-Australian fullback playing defence? Oh well, no. We made this decision because of the X, Y, Z reasons. Yeah. But surely everyone who watches football will go, well, that's the one move I would make. I would put a fullback yeah. on the full forward who's kicking five goals, and, and then I win the game. It just seems that simple. People, his finals record before the West Coast win was terrible. It still is bad. Yeah. Because he won, because they beat West Coast. Everyone was like, oh, just forgot about his finals record. Mm. He got gifted a list that was bloody good in 2011, which where he won the flag in his first year. He's made a lot of finals, but his record is very, very poor in finals. And again, it just goes back to his game plan and game style. Yeah. So it's a bit similar to Ross Lyon. 
you know, like Ross arguably, you know, in the well, grand Ross, final. Well, Ross, no, the difference is with Ross, though, is that he actually win, he won a lot of his finals. He just never won a granny. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, that's probably unfair on Ross. The interesting part is, so this is probably rounding out the conversation on DeLong here, is do you think he's under the pump for his job? Oh, it's like, it seems very strange for a coach to finish as minor premiers and then get the flick. Like, he's not getting the flick. Well, the problem is he's been there nine, he'll be there nine years and they're going to need a rebuild. I have a feeling he'll do his brother, do what his brother did. Yeah. I might hear, he won't be there for a rebuild. He'll go, he'll, ret- he'll resign and he'll probably try and find a club, you know, like his brother is probably trying to do now that's got a fairly decent list that he can just go, oh, I don't need to do the... The whole rebuild. The hard, the hard yards, yeah. yeah. I can start with a decent list, top up where I need to and hope that my game plan works. But He's had enough to free then. <laughs> well... Yeah, there's been there's been a few rumours about one of the Scots boys heading to Freo. One of them's got a job at at the AFL, and the other one's got a job at Geelong. So which one is it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. How would you grade their season, Geelong? Ah, uh, soft pass. Yeah, I agree. Soft pass indeed. And next year, I reckon they're probably ah oh, with that many games at home, you probably think top four. They're definitely playing finals. They'll they'll just scrape in to the finals or the top four. Finals. They'll just scrape in the finals. Yeah. You said this last year and you were very wrong. Yeah, I was. So I was wrong. But like, don't you think... No. No? The list isn't a year older. I just don't see them losing any games at home. They rarely lose games at home. That's 11 wins off the bat. Oh, 10 and... Yeah, that's right. I'll get 13 wins and just make the 8. Alright. Well, well, you, you saw after, their, after the buy around... What, what sort of crap they can dish up. Oh, they can, but they also know that... They had a good start to the year, but they dished that up. So I, I just reckon that the, the, the second half of the year is a true... Uh, indicator of their actual... What they, what they are, how good they are. Yeah. So, and that's... Not that good. What I've been saying all year. And they just luckily got off to a fire, got a good start of the year, and it banked them enough wins to finish in the top four or finish top. But then we, you know, second half of the year, we saw how many games they dropped and how they actually played. It was pretty ordinary, so... Alright, let's go into the eight. That's my opinion. Shout outs to our Geelong fans. We probably have none of you. Alright, on to the big show, the big dance. Grand final day, Saturday, 2.30. Richmond are $1.37 favourites. GWS are $3.20 outsiders. We're playing at the MCG, of course. The line here is three goals. The over-under, a very low 151. So another dour grand funnel perhaps in store for us this weekend. This is the longest a team has been on a Thursday night in odds-wise since Melbourne played Essendon in 2000. And you know what happened in that game? They got absolutely belted, Melbourne. Correct. But Essendon was the, arguably the greatest one-season team of all time. Oh, yeah. Richmond could, could, probably could have done just as well this year. They had a full complimentary all year. They had their injury problems early in the year, and they've come home fine. They haven't lost a game since Haven't what? lost a game since the bye. Which yeah. is what we said, the teams that have the most wins after the bye are usually the teams that are yep. there for the big dance. Yep. And Richmond, obviously, fulfilling that notion. Let's go through each team here. What are the reasons why the Giants can win? What are the reasons why Tiger fans out there should be very nervous going to sleep tonight? Um, I think well, contested ball and clearances aren't really a high priority for Richmond. They like to get, make sure the opposition turn it over. And GWS score a lot from 
stoppages. They're a good clearance team. They're a good stoppage team. That's how they score. They run and gun and use their feet and hands and get the ball inside to that dangerous forward line and, and generally you know make it count. So I know um, if, that's, if that's an area they can get on top of and put the Richmond defence under lots of pressure, especially where Whitfield's back, so his kicking's elite, then that that's somewhere where... GWS have a big advantage. And GWS, to be fair, this whole final series have bloody cracked right in. They've shown some ticker and yeah, they've rolled a their sleeves of, up. A lot of dirty work and you know, that's why Green and a few other blokes have, you know, copped some fines and suspensions. And they've also become a bit more of a front half team. So we saw against Collingwood, the ball spent a lot of time in their front half. They set up really well behind the footy, they defended into their four line really, really well, and that's what Good teams do, and again, that's what will put Richmond under the pump. So, so very interesting here. The stats back you up to an extent. So, the Giants have averaged thirty-nine points from clearances this season, ranked second. They've won the clearance counts by four per game this season, also ranked second. However, since two thousand and seventeen, the Giants have averaged only twenty-one points from their clearances against the Tigers, their third worst uh, result against any side in the competition. So, again, because the Richmond aren't too concerned about winning the clearance. If they do get beaten in the clearance, they don't lose their structure. So yes, it's hard. It's hard to score against them. They're really well always. set up behind the yeah, ball. Always. So yeah. they can go. You can win the ball if you want. We're going to get it off. They you. push up their half yeah. forwards to the stoppage, and then that allows two, one or two blokes to yeah. go set up behind the footy. Which for some reason a lot of teams don't um, go man on man, or they, they try and back in their system. I suppose the last time you guys played JBS, uh, you beat them by three points. But JBS did actually smash you in the in the clearances and the, and the contested ball, but you still won by 30 points. Mm. So that's something, you know, again, going back to that, if they do win the uh, stoppages and the clearances and the secondary clearance and stuff like that, the st- secondary contested ball or like crap, when they go forward, if you can turn it over, that's where they get burnt a lot, JBS. So we saw against uh, Brisbane and Collingwood, especially when when they got it on their own terms and they turned it over in the back half, they're able to transition and take the ball at the other side really, really quickly and easily against GWS. And it showed, especially in that Brisbane game, that last quarter and the Collingwood game in the last quarter, that they got so much ball inside their forward 50. They just dumb kicking, you know, mm. to not making the right decisions, uh, not kicking straight at goal, all that sort of stuff probably saved GWS and, that, and they defended really, really well. Um, but going, Richmond doing that, like they're, they're four along with you know, Lynch, Rewalt and uh, Lambert and... Stagna Rioli and Josh Caddy and those sorts of blokes all rolling through, all of a sudden it becomes really, really dangerous. So I don't reckon they can sustain that much pressure if Richmond keep piling in there that will eventually turn, especially yeah. someone like Martin goes down there. But one thing I have noticed as well last, and even in probably to a certain extent the Doggies game, is the halfbacks for, against JBS have got off the chain a bit. So last week was Howe and Crisp. They were big, our main ball winners, and Crisp, especially early, was really damaging. Uh, Rich did really, really well. Uh, against Brisbane, he had like 25, 26 touches. And even Suckling, you know, he's probably plays a bit high at the ground, but he still plays off half back a bit. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a few touches to kick the goal as well. So, you think about what sort of player that's going to help, and that's like Basher Hooley. Um, 100%, yeah. So, he's probably the one where him and probably Baker, like they're the ones that generally get a lot of the ball across half back and short. Um, so, Hawley could be one that has a field day. That's why I reckon that uh, they talk about um, Deboa going to Prestia or, or Martin. I'd actually send someone to Hawley and, and, and the Baker, make sure that they're not as attacking, uh, attacking so much off half back. They keep them quiet. Obviously, you've got 
Grimes down there you want to keep keep quiet. And the other one is Shane Edwards. He's probably he's the sort of player that uh, when Richmond are down, he goes into the midfield and changes it. Mm. So he did that last week in the second half. Martin went forward, Edwards went to the midfield, and Richmond just changed the dynamic in that midfield contest. So I reckon the ball should go to an Edwards because he's really... He sets a barometer a bit for him. He does a lot of fancy stuff as well. And I'm actually, he's probably my pick, Shane Woods, to be Norma Smith for this game. Because if, if he gets off the chain, he's, he's going to be damaging. And have, yeah. His 20 touches are worth probably 35 because he's just so good with it and makes the right decisions. So, Very Sean Bergwin esque. Yeah. And, uh, with, with Martin, I reckon you just want to team defence around the, the stoppages and then whoever picks him up when he goes forward, maybe. Maybe Sam Reid does that and, and a Lloyd or a goes to um to Basher Hooley and tries to nullify him. That's what Lloyd did really well last week, defended really well on the wing. Uh, so did Sam Reid. And yeah, DeBoer obviously cut out Pendlebury. Because side bottom Pendlebury and Troll last week all had tw- under 25 touches. Mm, for the first time in a very long time. That's a bit of a scary prospect for most clubs. Not for Richmond, however, because they don't really confide to the normal statistical no. um, setups. Like, if we win contested ball, we win football. If we win possession, we win football. If we take 90 marks, we win football. It doesn't really matter for the Tigers. So that's the reason why the Giants can win. Why will the Tigers, who are the obvious favourites here, win on Saturday, Baz? I probably just went through it then. No, yeah. I think they can t- get the turnover game going. They can take in the set marks. They'll just transition the ball so well and so quickly to against JWS that... I'll get into their four line. If they get one-on-ones with uh, Tom Lynch on Phil Davis, who might not even get up. And if he does, he's going to be very, very sore and very, very underdone. You know, a bit like McGovern last year. McGovern played pretty well, so maybe Davis can get through it as well. But one-on-ones with Tom Lynch and Jack Rewell, you know, I'm backing them two to beat their players most time, even if Martin's down there. And even they bring the ball to ground. they got really smart players. Like, you got Rioli, Castagna, like I said, Lambert, Pickett as well, making his debut. Bolton's a, a gun. Like, they've got all these players around that forward half who can just get dangerous. And it just, it just makes a really tough proposition for JWS to defend it, especially if it comes in so quick. Like, we saw even... Once the ball got dry last week in the start of the game and that, when when Collingwood were able to transition, we got over the back a few times and looked pretty dangerous. So, like I said, Richmond do that better than anyone. They're the best transition side in the comp. They're so quick. That forward handball, that chain movement, it's just dynamic. So... You know, and we saw last week, they just at all times just keep the ball moving forward, mm. surge mentality, and put lots lots of pressure on. That's something that you know GWS have been doing the last three weeks, and it's not really something we've seen a lot from them over the last what four or five years. So it's whether they can keep going for a fourth week, and whether blokes like you know um, Mummy and that can back up again because he's you know, he's pretty sore. Yeah, the Mummy, you feel Davis. Yeah. Whether how Toby Breen comes back from a week off, how yeah, how lucky Whitfield's going, going after yeah. the apprentice site. Usually that's thirty days. It's been like a week. Yeah, twelve. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of big question marks around the Giants and the stats back up here for how Richmond play as well. So interesting one. They only scored fifteen points from intercept possessions last week against Geelong, which is their worst result this season. However, they still won the game. So you wouldn't back them into like to not score from intercepts two weeks in a row. And against the Giants specifically since 2017, they averaged 50 points from intercept possessions against DWS, which is the fourth most against any side in the competition. And they score from 43% of inside 50s, also the fourth most against uh, any side in the competition. So that for a team that is as good as the Giants, Richmond find it pretty easy, considering you know teams like they play against like Gold Coast and Carlton, like teams yeah. they, they smash. 
they are just as effective in the front half against the Giants as they are against the lower side teams in the competition. So it does point statistically to a Richmond win, especially when the things that Giants are good at, contested possession, clearance count, doesn't matter for Richmond. So Giants' strength doesn't really affect Richmond's strength. So at that stage, you'd say that Richmond are the stronger pick. Uh, last thing before we get into our tips and bets for the weekend is a little quick season in review. So regardless of the result on grand final, you know all too well weird things can happen. They can, yes. Season grades for the Giants and Richmond. How would you rate their seasons regardless of whatever happens on Saturday? I think Richmond, given where they came from and what they had to deal with this year, has been a strong pass. Uh, and I think they're going to get better next year as well. Uh, they'll go to the draft, obviously, and Marlon Pickett gets another pre-season in. He's a, he's legit a gun. Uh, so we'll go on that pick as well. I buried the lead there a little bit. Marlon Pickett has been picked in the starting 22 for the Saturday game. He'll make his AFL debut in a grand final. Is that the correct decision? Why, why do you think that decision was made and not two of the boys that were emergencies and pulled out of the VFL? I think because he's, got that, he's 27. He's played a lot of football. He's had his issues... Um, he's been one of their best players in the VFL for the last eight weeks. Uh, in the finals, he's been their best player. He won the Norm Goss, which is the equivalent to Norm Smith in the VFL grand final last week. He's so clean. He uses the ball well, knows how to find it. He's tough as anything. Like, go back and watch his mark if anyone hasn't seen it against the, against the Bombers in the VFL. Uh, I think it was the first final, um, qualifying final, I think it was. And he took, ran back with a pack face. Like, a bit like uh, Nick Rewalt in that game against Sydney like just no fear for him like yeah, yeah. kick the first goal cool as a cucumber in the grand finals well. he's just if he gets t- if he gets it 10 times you know he's a bit like Shane Woods if he gets it 10 times there will be 10 lethal touches mm. he's he's a very very good player and I think they've made the right decision because you know I know it's a big, big call playing a player in, in debut in a grand final but he's probably their next best player so you just pick him and back him in and do the job. And I reckon he will because there's a fun, fun stat fair. Every picket that's played in the grand finals won a North Smith. Yeah, I, I think they'll be probably top four next year. And I think, yeah, eventually they're gonna, their injuries will hopefully they get a bit more of a bad run because they've just been so lucky mm. for so long. And Rand's, Wow, not this year. The yeah, luck ran out this year. Not really, though, because all your players come back for the second half of the year and they're all fit. The only one's missing is Rance. Yeah, our best player, arguably. I reckon you're better without Rance. Oh, you've said this a lot of a couple of players now. Better without Nank. Do agree with that. I, I, better I, without Rance. See, Nank, Nank's the one going into the, about the grand final. I think it's very dangerous to be playing two Ruckman going into a grand final, especially Nank and Soto, who don't give you much else around the ground. They don't. They can't go forward and be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, you look at, for instance, last year, they had Vardy and, and Nick Nat. Vardy can go forward and be a problem. Oh, sorry, it was uh, Lysette. Yeah. Lysette can go forward and be a problem. That's sort of, And Nick Nat goes to the bench. If you lose a player on the weekend, you've got... So, a bit like last week in Shalom, mm-hmm. Graham was able to come on and and, and uh, as a rotation and run around with one arm. If he didn't come back on and when I think it was Broder got knocked out, mm. you've only got two players on the bench. That means you've got to have both Ruckman on the ground at points. Yeah. And one, the one of us to play forward which just gives the opposition a massive opportunity to run off and become creative and not even worry about him because, really, they're not going to hurt you. Yeah. So that's a big call by Richmond to play two Ruckman in a grand final, I think, especially when they don't offer much else around the ground. Uh, anyway, back on that, I think 
yeah, you're going to get better next year. I think you'll be top four. You probably go close to winning it again. You've got a bloody good team. Everything about your club is going really, really well, and it hurts me to say that, but I think strong pass. You know, Dimmer can have a job there for the rest of his life. Uh, Especially yeah. if he wins on Saturday. If he wins on Saturday, he is set. It doesn't matter. He'll he'll retire before he gets kicked out. Uh, and the Giants. So they finished sixth this year. Yep. How do you rank that performance? Because obviously they made the grand final a bit like the Doggies, got hot at the right time of year. Yep. Because we were quite concerned about their culture, their attitude, their, if they their bring, buy-in. If they bring this style of footy next year to every game, or most games, because you don't have your off weeks... They get they get Ward back, they get Canicleo back, they get a few other blokes back. They'll probably go back to the draft. They got blokes who are sitting there have played you know one or two years of footy, haven't had an opportunity yet. They they're going to be really really strong, and they should finish top two, top three next year. But we've said that about them last three or four years, so now the the pressure's on for them to back it up as well. Um, and I think this can go a bit two ways, like Melbourne did, because I feel like there's similarities and personalities here, where they can make it to the grand final. Regardless of the result, pat themselves a bit on the back in the off season, come with a bit of fat heads, yep. come pre season, and then completely fall off the boat again. Yep. Or they can go. I feel like even losing on the Saturday will make it better for them next year, because they, then they go. Well, now we've got the hunger. Now we've got the hurt. Now we can build off that. And yeah, get job done. Whereas if they win in their first time, I feel like there's a couple of characters, and that will be like, well, let's just have a six month long party. And we'll rock up in April and then we'll kick a footy round. Yep. I reckon that's 100% true. And even if they lost, I reckon, like I said, I want to see them bring this style of footy next year. It's a bit of hunger that, you know, real desire to crunch, crash in and just put that pressure on at all times. Because, you know, like I said, we had, after week one of the finals, we, everyone said, I haven't seen it, them do this for prolonged periods. They did it two weeks in a row. Everyone's like, can they do it the third week? They did it the third week. Now the question is, can I do it a fourth week? So. And against arguably the best team in the competition. Everyone's favourite segment for the last time in 2019, our feature bets for the 2019 AFL Grand Final, Richmond versus GWS. We'll bring you our best bet, we'll bring you some value, we'll bring you some roughies, but we'll also cover off the classics for everyone's favourite Grand Final functions. We'll give you a tip, we'll give you the margin, we'll give you the Norm Smith, we'll give you the first goal. The classics first, Baz. Who is going to be your first goal kicker? First goal kicker. I didn't actually think about that one, but I'll, I'll go with uh, Toby Green. Toby Green. Yeah, we'll get a first clearance, so that makes good sense. Uh, and then probably do that end. And he has been our first goal kicker already this final series. So good pick by you. I'm going to go the uh, the myth, the good story, the good news story. Marlon Pickett. He's paying thirty one dollars for the first goal. I don't think he's just find himself in the right place at the right time. Yep. You start, if he starts on the ground, it could yep. be a chance. Yep. Cool, calm, collected. Norm Smith on the weekend. Well, I've got a couple. Okay. So, I reckon if Richmond win it, it's going to be one of three. Basha Hooley, Josh Caddy, or Shane Edwards. So, Josh Caddy's at 51s. I have a feeling Josh Caddy might go back to his little forward role this week and uh, just be a bit bit of a headache down there for him. So, I reckon Josh Caddy could kick some goals. And he's probably my leading goal kicker as well in about $30. So if you go Josh Caddy into leading goal kicker into Norman Smith, you could be on for plenty. 
But Shane Edwards, because he's influential around the middle. And I reckon Basha Hooley is probably the best bet, if, especially if Richmond win. Because, as I was saying before, he's going to get plenty of ball of half-back yeah. and set him up. transition for you, that sets him up. If GWS win it, you go your normal stars, your GWS, your Kellys, your, your Greens. But Tim Torano and Jacob Hopper do an enormous amount of grunt work in that midfield. And, and I reckon they're both very, very good odds, 26 and 34. So if one of those two... If they win it, sorry, one of those two a good chance. And obviously Lockie Whitfield, because he's one of those players that's very noticeable when he's got foot foot and he's ball in hand because he's such a good user by foot. So. Yeah, 100%. I agree with all of those. I had Basher at the top. I also reckon that uh, that Jack Rewalt's due for a better performance after being kept very quiet last week. Yep. So uh, Mr. Brightside uh, would be a decent pick there as well. Who's your tip? What's the margin? So I just said that Josh Cave's 30. He's actually $91 for most goals. So I'm actually definitely putting a cheeky fire on that. Uh, my tip is Richmond. I think they'll cover the line of seven and a half points. I think it could get a bit of a blowout late in the game once they realise that the game's over at JWS and they just decide this is done. And I reckon 40-plus for Richmond. All my, all my eggs are in the Richmond basket. Um, I've had a pretty poor final series. I've only got uh, three out of six so far. So I could be wrong. But I'm backing in that my year so far this year with my footy tipping, where I got you know over 130 something, uh, won the footy tipping comps. I'm backing that my year will end well. There you go. I agree with you to an extent. I reckon Richmond win. I'm going for the 20 to 39 point margin, paying three dollars seventy five. They haven't really blown teams out this year. Um, just not that the game still doesn't really like allow you to do that. So uh, I think another traditional. What we've come to expect from Richmond win in that 20 to 39 margin. And to be honest, you know, 39 points, six goals, that's a big grand final win. It could be a small fest for me, I reckon, this grand final. Absolute schlacking, you reckon? Yeah. Get off the anti-Moz bandwagon, Baz. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I want you to get off the bandwagon. Get off the Moz. Over at quarter time, so they're not going to just watch the races at Rose Hill or Randwick or wherever it is. There we go. Great way to finish and a great place to watch this grand final. If you haven't already organised something, is the Yorkshire Hotel. They've got the grand final package, 100 big ones for unlimited uh, drinks and food. Head on down to their website, ring them up, book yourself a table, treat your mates. Uh, Great way to end the footy season. It's been an absolute pleasure talking footy with you guys. And if you want to talk to us some more, hit us up on Twitter. It's at SCMAG underscore Oz or on Facebook or face-to-face around the traps. And we'll be uh, back when in the whites because it'll be cricket season. Good luck, guys. Come on.